another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Chris. And thank you for joining us. Yes. Uh, today we're covering the Melbourne Demons. We the are indeed. Team analysis. Um, so before we get started, you can follow us on facebook.com forward slash SC Insider. Same as on Twitter. So uh, SC underscore Insider underscore. Yep. And our new channel is at twitch.tv. So www.twitch.tv forward slash SC underscore Insider. And on YouTube, just search for Supercoach Insider, which is probably where you're watching this video. Wonderful. And mm. we are on Spotify as well as SoundCloud and a whole bunch of other audio platforms. iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, you name it, we're on it. So however you want to get us. We're also now on Google us. Play Podcasts as well. So if you have Google Play and you want to listen to podcasts that way, they have a new thing called Google Podcasts. And we are on that too. No way. Yeah, pretty cool, hey? That is pretty cool. Yeah. So Chris, lead us off with the Melbourne Demons. Yeah. Have a look at their draw. So look... A uh, little bit of a team overview first. So the um, return to the finals was awesome for Melbourne, um, and they, they are early favourites to take the flag. Pretty simple to see why. I mean, their biggest deficiency was obviously in their defence, and they shored that up with uh, recruiting, obviously, Stephen May in the off-season. Um, and, of course, Kate Colo. Not that I don't know if he'll get a gig, but um, it seems like they're making steps towards they believe that they are in a premiership window, and I, and I think that everyone else is on the same page as well. They lost three games by under a kick, two of which were after the siren to Geelong. <laughs> one where they did kick it and one where they missed it. So, uh, where, where Geelong kicked it and one where Melbourne missed. Uh, those wins could have given uh, Melbourne outright second spot. The other one was um, against uh, the Saints, actually. They were up by, the Saints were up by six goals and they came back to get within two and they just fell short. Um, but those wins would have given Melbourne outright second spot, one win behind Richmond. So if consider that they could have been a second spot this year, and instead they ended up in fifth. Yeah. Which is unfortunate for them. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Yeah, right. Uh, they literally didn't turn up to play the, um, the the elimination final against West Coast. The Eagles ran away within the first five minutes, and they just never recovered. I don't know whether it was they were physically just too active at the ball, um, intimidated, over in WA, whatever it was. Do you watch? Do you watch that game? It was horrible. Oh, horrible. It was absolutely horrible. So they did the old uh, expect it to just happen. Yeah, the prelim final was just a, a one way show. Um, and they and played so well against Geelong too. So well. Yeah, flogged them. And look, the, the, the defensive woes obviously proved by the fact that they were number one in attack for the year, but ninth in defence. So they can definitely score, but they just could not obviously. Yeah. So short um, the balance. Exactly right. So they had less than a top eight defense, which is uh, what they're trying to uh, do with Stephen May in the off season. Um, honestly, in, in in all honesty, I think their list is really really in good spot. Only really Melbourne can stop Melbourne. So if they just don't turn up, or you know they don't you know follow the coach's structure, or they get major injuries, that's the only thing that can really derail their season in terms of getting top four. Yeah. The good thing is they still have a bit of depth though. They still have some. Maybe not as much forward depth as they had, but yeah. even defence, you've got Colo, um, you've even got some of the other running defenders. Yeah, so. Jaden Hunt was yeah, out for exactly. a lot of last season with injury, so they've got people coming back. Um, they have the fifth hardest draw according to Champion Data, which isn't great. They, they double up games are tough, um, and all of their double up games are to teams that they lost to in 2018. 
So not <laughs> like literally. So they play Richmond, who they lost to. They play West Coast, of course. Um, Collingwood, who they lost to. Hey all. Um, Sydney, who they lost to, and they lost to St Kilda as well. So their easiest game is against the team that they've had a rivalry with for a long, long time, and it's so even if they beat all the other teams, they'll be on twelve wins. Yeah, well, I mean that's yeah, well if they lose both the legs to those, yeah, yeah. to those, and they have which, to win which all the other them. legs. So, I reckon their heart, their draw is a lot harder than fifth fifth hardest because just based on the opposition and based on where they were last year, I, I so that's one of the big issues facing them. For that reason, I don't think they're going to come minor premiers. I don't think that they're. I think Richmond's still a heavy favourite yeah. to that. I think a team like Adelaide with an easy draw can you know pimp into second. So I'm tipping Melbourne around third um, in the in the league this year. Uh, which still gives them a good platform to reach for a final. Where's Collingwood then, Chris? <laughs> you keep putting everyone ahead of them. I think that we'll be five to eight this year. Yeah, right. I don't think we're going to be top four. Right. A lot harder draw, and there's a lot of other things, but yeah. Anyway, uh, so they also have um, six six day breaks, which is quite a lot, and they have one four day break as well. Um, so a lot of re- a high um, number of six day breaks and a very short turnaround in a four day break. They've got a mediocre start, so they've got Port at home, Geelong away. Bombers uh, at the G, of course. Um, Sydney away, Saints at home, and then they have a tough SC final series, um, which all four games play. But however, all four games are played in Melbourne, with one at uh, Marvel or Etihad or wherever you want to call it. So they've got the Saints, who they lost to, of course. Um, then Richmond, Collingwood, Sydney, all at the G. So tough, tough, tough Super Coach finals. Um, so if there's any downhill skiers in your team. Um, that's those aren't the games you really want to be going yeah, yeah. up against. So someone like a Tom McDonald in the back end of the year is probably going to be useless to you in the finals. Yep. Um, so People like Oliver will score well yeah, all year regardless. round, but yeah. it might be the difference of he might only get like a 110 versus good opposition, yeah. but against the Carlton, he might go 160. You know? The difference is yeah, Tom McDonald's not going to kick five goals against Richmond, are they? No. They're not going right. to kick... Probably not going to kick five goals against Yeah, Collingwood. so for the fringe players, particularly in draft, you know, Adelaide with the, the easy final series, the Bulldogs, West Coast have a pretty good final series as well. Yeah. You find the guys that are the fringe 80 players that have a big ceiling because chances are against the easier opponents, they're going to go yeah. big. Yeah, and I mean, you can't control that to a, a high extent in standard, but in draft, you can trade around. So you can... Yep. You know, you might take a three points per game loss um, to get a four game increase on average if you think that that's going to happen. Yep. So, or pull a me and have a look at the next month and find who has the easy draw, pick them up, and then when they spike in average, like a three to five round average, you then palm them off. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, it's great. Um, all right, so the, the buyers they have the round thirteen buy, which is the middle buy, which is the, also the hardest one to navigate this season. So um, they share that with Brisbane, Collingwood, Geelong, Sydney, and West Coast. Yep. Um, so you can't carry too many demons. Um, but um, we'll see how it goes in terms of who else pops up out of those teams. Um, also, off-season, off so they traded in uh, Bruce, Braden Bruce, the Ruckman from North Melbourne. Stephen May, as mentioned, and uh, Kay Colo as well came in. Yeah, the Bruce one is probably the big story. It is, and uh, that's one of, it's one of our headline stories in, uh, in today's pod. Yes. Um, out, we've got Dean Kent, Dom Tyson, and Jesse Hogan. Those are big outs. Yeah. So three players, like, don't get me wrong, Dean Kent's not an, a big-name player. He had a three-game patch last year of over 100. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, no, three-game patch of 97. Um, and then he got injured again. So his, his issue here has been his body. When he played midfield minutes last year, and he played some really, really great games. Um, he goes over St Kilda. Hopefully they can do something with his body there and get him right. 
Dom Tyson was, you know, probably what their twenty first or twenty second player, but he was in their mid rotations. Yes. So an important part of their of. Their and he mid- was still young though. Tyson still had room to grow. A lot it's of just um, yeah. body and just yeah, not. I don't know. It's almost like he fell out of favor a little bit. His body he wasn't plays, great, and then he his know, best role is Oliver's role, but yeah. Oliver's got that tied down. Well, that's why I think he's quite yeah. good for North, which we'll get into next. And they they do have a lot of depth in midfield, and they draft a lot of midfielders this year. So. Um, something there Jesse Hogan's a massive loss and I think it's understated how much of a big impact he has on them winning games I agree except that now with Stephen May in defence I think they're backing themselves in to still be competitive to score yep. while shoring up their their arse end. So I think they become a more balanced side. They do. But and I'll go through Hogan, what I actually have... watched an interview with Tom McDonald yesterday. Um, it was a 12-minute interview. Yep. And he went through what their they, their plan is at the moment. And I'll, I will go touch on that when we go through Tom McDonald and, and Jesse Hogan. Um, but let's go through the rookies first. So uh, they got a Corey Wagner as a pre-draft selection, uh, as a mature age recruit. Um, he actually played for Casey last year after being delisted by North Melbourne the year before and played eight games at AFL level. Um, I think he's not one to... I don't think that he'll start games. I think he's one that it will work through. Again, he'll play in the Casey, but he's on the AFL list now. Injury strikes, he'll get some game time. He's currently in my team just because he's a mature age recruit. Um, I couldn't get any... Apparently, he averaged really well. I couldn't find any VFL stats to back up. Um He's uh, his year, but apparently played really well in the twos um, and has worked his way into AFL fitness. He believes that as of last year, he could have played AFL football, but wasn't ready before that. However, this year, obviously, another year in the system, another year playing at KC, he's ready to go. So I'd be surprised if he gets early games with their mid-depth, but he's he's probably going to be one of the first caps off the rank if injury strikes or if they're looking to rotate some midfielders. Well, you never know. Viney might not even get up. Well, that, and that's true. So it, that's why he comes into consideration. So I would um, I would 100% start him if he gets a gig in round one. I just like those mature age bodies. He's 123K. He's you know, the perfect prototype for what you want for a mid-recruit that might get you a 60 to 70 average. Or you could even have him on field, but definitely a cash cow. So. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, cool. Uh, Tom Sparrow. Now, big raps on Tom Sparrow from the guys over at uh, Melbourne. Um, and a lot of talk coming out from the actual playing group. So I watched another interview with Max Gorn, and he said the one to watch out for at the moment is Tom Sparrow. is their first pick in the draft. Uh, pick 27, 117k mid, 182 centimetres and 81 kilos. Has a massive leap on him. Apparently, he took a massive hanger on Harry Perriman, who's a 10.5 back. And um, and it, Max Gorn said that um, of all the recruits, he's definitely shining through um, compared to everybody else. Um, can play behind the ball, but can also kick goals. He's really mainly picked up. I think his leadership qualities really shone through. His tenacious endeavour highlights his ball winging ability, but uh, he's got deficiencies by foot. So unfortunately, he just uh, even though he's a clearance midfielder, his decision making and his foot skills are just not really an AFL standard at this point. Well, I mean, Oliver's been uh, not Oliver, bloody Ollie Wines have been getting a gig for years. Yeah. Man. So whether or not they overlook that and give him AFL games early, or they say, "Hey, we want you to prove it in the VFL that you can hit some targets." And then you can come into some AFL action. So I think you might be one that has some game time this year, but I don't know when it's going to be. Um, James Jordan, pick 33, 117k defender mid, high, high footy IQ player with great foot skills and outside pace. Generally playing on a wing or a half back and delivering the ball inside 50. Um, he doesn't really win his own ball and he's not an accumulator. So someone that probably won't score highly in um, Supercoach anyway. Um, he relies on handball receives and likened to a Bonner, Riley Bonner type player. So um, completely outside. Uh, Chris, I believe it's Bonner. <laughs> <laughs> 
doesn't um doesn't have a doesn't know how to win a contested ball. I remember one time last year, this speaking about Riley Bonner. Riley Bonner last year, there was a time when he like he had an opportunity to pick the ball up and a player was shepherding for him and he decided, no, I'll shepherd for you. You pick the ball up. <laughs> just, he just wouldn't know how to pick up a contested ball if it came flying at him. Anyway, um, so he definitely someone that I think can play footy this year if there's injury or depth concerns, um, but I don't think it's going to be super coach relevant anyway. Um, an interesting one is Aaron Nitschke. Now, you might have to quote me on that one. I don't know how that goes. 117k mid, 184 centimeters and 77 kilos. He won the MVP for the under 18 sandfall last year, um, mainly playing as wingman or halfback across, um, averaging 32 disposals, including 14 contested possessions, nine marks, five clearances, three tackles, and a goal a game uh, for Central Districts. So that was in under 18s, not in the actual seniors of senior dis- of Central Districts. But he did play at the uh, national championships, and he averaged 13.7 disposals and didn't look out of place. Playing, he played alongside um, Jackson Haitley and uh, Jai Caldwell from the um, from GWS. So oh, actually, definitely Haitley, not Caldwell. Yes, someone else. Um, but yeah, they he said he didn't look out of place being there. Unfortunately, only thirteen point seven disposals. But see how that goes. The big one here, and probably the lock in everyone's defence right now. I think he'll play round one. Is Marty Hall, pick fifty six, hundred seventeen gate defender. Arguably the early lock of the back line. Um, Hall, it's going to be hard not to start him if he doesn't get a, if he gets a round one berth. Um, mature age recruit. He played at the, in the Collingwood VFL team for the past two years. He's 189 centimeters and 81 kilos. Um, he won back-to-back VFL best and fairest at Collingwood. Can play tall or small, um, averaging 20 disposals, including 16 kicks and 7.5 marks. He actually ranks second in the VFL for marks and four rebound 50s. So he's a Hall magnet. The classical. Oh, uh, so he's going to get, that, he's gonna get so, that all year. He's so good. They wish that was horror of him. Play on words. Hold on. Uh, I think he's going to be a lock in defence this year. So right. I think you'll. See, that's what run. I want to hear, Chris. I don't, yeah. don't want to hear these irrelevant bloody Aaron Nicheski. Whoever, however you say. I don't want to hear about that. Nicheski. Tell me the relevant ones, Chris. The guys, that to, the guys to pick, not the guys that are 10th in line waiting to get him. Oh, but he hit, got a kick in the, in the seconds and the VFL on the 18-year-old, 13 disposals, but he's not relevant, kid. It Don't is give me them. No, it's important to know because you no. want to know for your upgrade and downgrade targets later in the season. No. Okay. Tell me the ones that are relevant. Toby Bedford. <laughs> is he relevant? I don't know. <laughs> um, pick 75, 117k forward mid. I don't think he's relevant. 170, uh, actually, no, I think he might be. 176 centimetres and 65 kilos. So he's clearly that small. 60, 65 kilos. Now, here's why he's relevant, though. He's, re- he's relevant because they're going to make some money in the gym. <laughs> no, this is where they really lack. So Melbourne really lack. Up, like they've got garlic and then they've got no other. In terms of like small pacey, they, they small They lack forwards. small frames. <laughs> 65 kilos. Jeez, I got a mate that weighs more than that. Matty Davison weighs more than 65 That's kilos. Funny. Jesus. Um, he could push for selection at some stage during the year. Only average 13 disposals at the TAC Cup, but with a goal a game and five tackles per game from pocket. So he's that pressure small forward. <laughs> so I think he could actually get game time this year because they're lacking that. Does um, he tackle them? Jump on their back? <laughs> <laughs> he will raps. He MMA tackles. But he's not going to slow them down. Only 65 <laughs> kilos. <laughs> <laughs> There's a fly. It's a fly. <laughs> Jetpack. Right. Anyway, so that's. Yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. Um, 
He averaged 12 disposals at the national championships and 6.8 tackles playing in um, uh, forward uh, yeah. with a couple of stints in the midfield. Tackling kids that weigh 70 kilos. Yeah. <laughs> the last one, uh, just uh, not really important again, another small pressure forward, Katie Chandler was picked up on, on the rookie draft. Uh, 173 centimetres and 73 kilos. Oh, that's better. Well, a little bit bigger. Um, struggles with accumulation of ball. He only had 5.7 disposals across three games. Uh, so averaged them uh, across three games. However, he did average 6.3 tackles. So that that's, gives tells me that they're targeting a small forward because they lack it in their list at the moment. So there's a list selections. Okay, I do like that. Right. And um, Well, thank you. I, I do like the depth and the content you've gone into, Chris. I, I've gone with the more simple is better, telling them the, the people, the kind folks out there of the relevant ones that they need to know. And um, well, I, You know what? I'm about depth. You, you've just confused me I, with the your The deeper depth. I get, the better it gets. Mate, I don't need more names in my head. That's true. <laughs> but, you know, mid-season, someone's going to pop up. And you know what? You know who's going to know what they're about? Yeah. Me. That's fine. Tell me not going to know anything Hey, Chris, about? how about you yeah. tell me then? <laughs> tell me then. More podcasts to come in 2018. Tell me, tell me when it's relevant. You know, we probably spent more time arguing It's not about. like we haven't been sitting here for an hour waiting for you to deal with these problems that have come up. Premiums! <laughs> Angus Rachel. Let's start off with uh, with uh, the number three in the Brownlow medal this year. Oh, um, he didn't Rachel. even get invited. Yeah, right. Painful. Hilarious. But, I mean, he had an amazing back end to the year. Um, so, uh, he had a third-year breakout, and he ended up averaging 97.1 for the year. Surprisingly, he finished th- a third in the Brownlow after coming storming home. Uh, last 10 games, he averaged 106.6, which is um, fairly consistent with his scoring, but he only had two 120-plus scores. So, uh, he doesn't really have a ceiling as of yet. Um Oh, he, sorry, he has a fairly low ceiling. Yes. And that's going to be his issue if he really wants to push into premium numbers. And I'm talking 110 plus. I know, that's crazy though. 86.4 before the buy and then 106.6 after the buy. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, right. he went huge. Yeah. Absolute. Um, he could break out even more, but I feel more comfortable at his price. His 526k midfielder, you can get Zorko for the exact same price. Ooh. Actually, 6k cheaper. Ooh. So it's, it's going to be people that have balls of steel. Going, yeah, Brayshaw, I'm picking him out to go 110 this year. Yeah, well, he only just started coming back to full training as well. Yeah, I think a 105 is a decent level for him. So I think there's definitely value from a draft selection. But if you're picking him as a keeper, I don't think he's going to be top 10. He had a back complaint into the last year, end, yeah. of, the, end of the year. So I don't think he's going to be top 10, which means that for me, I, I, I think it's a waste of money. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's just my opinion. Um, draft, though, great pick. And someone you get a value, you could pick him up at around 100 average, which is when it starts to, there has to be a lot of those guys. You can pick him out of a hat. So, yeah. Yep. Um, they're obviously, uh, you know, got a lot of more premiums. Uh, Clayton Oliver, for example, had a PB year with a 114 average. Yes. Even more important though, he had, um, so in 2017, he only had three scores over 120. Yep. He had so many scores of like 110, 115, 106, you know, so many hundreds though. Remember last year, just so many hundreds. Hundred, so 2017, hundred, hundred. I shouldn't say last year, but um, this year, the season just gone, he had 12 scores yep. of 120 plus. Yep. So huge, 5 under 100, 12 at 120 plus. Um, it's just crazy. He's got another gear to go, and I, I definitely think that he could go. The, the problem is his price, of course, and the fact that he had off-season surgery. So both, both shoulders. shoulders. Both shoulders done off-season. Well, he's carrying Viney for half a season. <laughs> That's it. Um, hasn't started uh, contact training yet, but he should be going to round one. And if it's yep. any indication, last season in round one, he was touch and go whether or not he had to actually pass a fitness test. 
yes. to play round one last year. And we did have some um, people talking on our Twitch or something last week. Twitter. Or Twitter. We yep. were talking about um, Oliver and apparently some people in the know say he actually looks pretty fit. Yeah, a so, guy who's trained with him yeah. in the off-season. So the, the important thing is that he was touch and go round one last year, came in and he goes 123-146 in the first two weeks. Yep. <laughs> From a touch and go fitness test. Um, surprisingly, his shoulder injury that plagued him the last two months of the season did not do any contact work for that entire two months at training and only went to games. So all the work that he did in training was all running and skills work, did not do contact work for eight weeks. And in that time, he averaged 123. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey coach, I don't even need to do contact work. I was just like... Why don't you just never do contact work? Just yeah. get him in the game. Get, let the ball take the horns. Um, That's so good. Honestly, like... <laughs> so there's no reason why you can't pick him. 622k a midfielder. The problem is, how many of these guys are you having? Are you having Kelly? Are you having Oliver? Are you yeah. having Cripps? Are you having Fife? Are you having McRae? How many can you have? And which ones are you picking compared to everybody else? Um, I think that Oliver's one that's going to be unique this year. People are going to get scared off by his injuries. Um, he's also just... Oh, I think with Tish going out, he might go up in ownership. How, he, how he looks. He's just not like a great-looking chap. Like, he's a bit... Yeah, on the nose. Well, I guess Cripps does look pretty impressive. That's right. Like, right? Like, he's, a, he's, a, he's a ranger. Like, don't get me wrong. He's got his big body midfielder, but he's a ranger. Doesn't have the prettiest face like me. And Cripps comes back tan. Do you see him? He looks I like honestly, he's been in Greece or something for a few weeks. Have you heard of the thing oh, yeah. called quarterback theory? Do you know what that is? No. So, all, like, look at the NFL, and that all the the quarterbacks are all really good looking. And it goes back to this theory that all the people that um, are chosen to have their ball in their hands when they're kids, they're all the good looking popular kids. So, they start learning at a very, very young age how to handle the ball and throw a ball better than everybody else. It's called quarterback theory. I think that sort of reverse theory applies to Clayton Hall. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where you're getting yeah, with that. I was waiting for you to land your plane. It's, it's crazy right. how many like actually like decent like skilled players are just really good looking. It's because you know, at a young age they're the ones that have the ball in their hands because everyone gives it to them. Yeah, right. Anyway, uh, should we go on to Max Gorn? We please? should because he is one. important. He is very important. Had his best uh, super coach year to date, averaging 127. Um, just unfortunate it came at a time when Brody Grundy decided to tear apart the competition, right? Uh, especially Grundy's back end of the year was absolutely oh, stupid. Yeah. I mean, he still had 12 scores over 130 and four scores over 150, making him an absolute captain option for 2018. Only question mark is the Bruce factor. Now, correct. Uh, Max Gorn has said 100% they'll be playing together. Um, whether or not that means that Bruce is playing like what percentage they are, they're working that out in the JLT. Yep. So the coaches pulled them aside and said, I don't know what's going to work best for us, but I want to view it. I want to see it live. So they're actually using the JLT to gauge whether or not they can play them 50-50, 70-30, yeah. whatever it might well, be. Well, I think he might, he might stand tall, you know, because Hogan's gone. Yeah. So even if he doesn't, he can still, he kicked that 100%, rooster. 100%, he's, th- he's the third tall yeah. forward in Did that Did you see that up. rooster? He kicked one for like 60, yeah. remember? It was huge. No, he's um, a, he can play forward. He's a big beast. He and Maxi Gorn, Maxi Gorn was floating in defense for a bit last year as well. Yeah. I think my concern as well, though, is that Max Gorn looked tired at the end of last year. Yeah, and that's what that's that's one of the things that they want so to do. So I think it's like, well, do they then freshen him up and rest him when it comes to like our Supercoach finals? Yeah. Are they going to rest him or give someone else more of a go to freshen him up for finals? He's def. Uh, well, that's what I'm worried about. There's two things that the coach addressed in the offseason. One is when he went out, they didn't really have a viable ruck option on field. So they either put Tom McDonald in there or they put Cam Pedersen in there or they put Jesse Hogan in there. 
they didn't really have a tool that was decent at ruck work. They want to play with two tools, uh, two rucks this year, or at least a forward that can be an effective ruck. Bruce is that person. It just depends on how much impact that has negatively on his scoring. Yep. I think it does impact, and I think you can see probably ten points per game. I can. Yeah, but even a one seventeen still. A no, exactly return, right. But so you're paying for a one thirty. That's, that's the, the issue. You're paying. You're paying six hundred ninety-two k. But even Grundy paying a one thirty. I think the thing that Grundy well, you can't had carry to, both. No, can, you can't. Well, you I can, but oh, that's expensive. Jeez. Ooh, you, you, so, I tell you what. What you might areas. as well do is just go and buy a brand new hundred thousand uh, dollar Audi, and then while you're at it, go buy another hundred thousand dollar BMW. Wait two weeks and then sell them. <laughs> so that's sell, a, sell. that's a great investment too, by the way. Great investment. Um, the only yeah. thing Grundy has going for him as well, besides you already know what he looks like playing him with Cox. You know what his role... Yeah, exactly. The role is... Yeah. Playing with Cox. <laughs> um, is that, By the um, way, my, my, my partner, Ashley, she is obsessed with Brody Grundy. Oh, I thought you were saying Cox. <laughs> she likes all of that his on, on social media. That would have been funnier. Um, the other plus side is, is that uh, Max Gorn had four scores under 100, whereas um, Grundy only had two. And they were both like 90s. So I, I think, think if, you, if you're putting them side by side, based on what we know right now, Grundy is yep. streets ahead. Unless Gorn has such low ownership. Yeah. Um, look, yeah. anyway, uh, the question mark over there, JLT, where we we still, again, we won't probably get to see what the likely solution is going to be in round one. Oh, sorry, for in the JLT, which means that you need to make a decision on it beforehand, which to me means Brody's your guy, not, not Max. The other issue is um, they obviously play the exact same buy. So if yes. you're playing them both at the same time, Collingwood and Melbourne share the buy again this year, which is that they did the same last year, which is really frustrating. Um, so you can't really... Um, I don't think you can go Gorn this year if you're going Rundy. And then if you're going oh. just Gorn, you've got to be doing it because you honestly think that he's going to outscore Grundy. Well, it's, here's the plus side. Gorn's done it before. Here's the negative side. Grundy... He's still young. He's young. He's got more, he's got more gears. And... Let's look on the other positive side. Grundy doesn't get injured as much as Gorn. So it's like, well, Gorn's, yeah, done, Gorn, Gorn's averaged that much a couple of times. Grundy's yep. only done it once. But Grundy doesn't get injured like Gorn has previously. Well, it's so, the first time Gorn's uh, gone plus 120. Yeah, it is. So his previous, I think, was 117. 117 or something, yeah. yeah. So he went up 10 points per game on his PB. Yep. Which is pretty good. But I think, yeah, like with Hogan gone, guaranteed um, that uh, Proust plays and guaranteed he takes rack time out from... Uh, Max Gorn it's just is that going to be a yeah. a, a, a big O and yeah. Steph Martin situation where it doesn't impact him or is it going to be a completely opposite and it takes away 10-15 points per game yeah, alright uh, Tom, Tom McDonald um, frustrating player Tommy McDonald yeah yeah, really frustrating because when I trade him in he starts spudding it up well, so. he, he, let, me, let me rattle it out for you then Chris so he averaged 113.1 before the bye yep so he played 7 rounds before the bye because he started late yep Huge. Chris brings him in. You brought him in. 100%. Yes. After the bye, so his last 10 rounds after the bye, he averaged 86.7. Yeah, I know. Really, really kills me. Yeah. Like, that's... And that's... My, my bye trading really ruined my year. Oh, yeah. Because I went him, and then I went... I went Kernow. Well, I, I realized it was the people that I actually started my team with that ruined me. But anyway. <laughs> I started Hibbert. I started Billings. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, were, who I kept... Kept from Kelly, Kelly, I had and kept for a bit. Nick Natanui, who obviously didn't do so well either. I started with Dane no, Beams. good. started with Dane Beams, who started the year horribly. Yeah. So, no wonder I didn't do so great. Uh, fair enough. Um, look, 
the, the evidence was so they actually played uh, a few games with Hogan not in the team and Sam Wiedemann is the one that and uh, this interview that I watched with Tom McDonald he said 100% it's going to be him and Sam Wiedemann are going to be the one and two Yep. Um, and they're going to try and develop that over the off season they had a little bit uh, of an example of it at the end of last year um, and he didn't average well. So um, from round 21 and through the finals, and so it was a five-game sample, T-Mac averaged 93.8, which is not a great sign. So if that's what his total output is, you're paying 529k forward for him, I think you're overpaying massively. Yep. Um, I think he's probably likely to average you around 90 to 95, and anyone picking him up in draft early is going to have a, a quiet awakening. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near that. And at the end of the day, having a one-two punch like Hogan and McDonald really means that it splits the defense. Um, you can't focus too heavily on one forward. If With Sam Wiedemann, don't get me wrong, no, no, nothing against Sam Wiedemann, but he's no Jesse Hogan. He's not even close to the play that he is, so he would need to improve a hell of a lot to start letting the defenders pay him a lot more respect. The moment it's going to be too easy to target 100%, Tom McDonald's going to be the number one target in the forward line, we're going to double-team him. Like the, the, the spare in the defense is going to go straight on to roll on to Tom McDonald. So yep. um, I think that it's a, not a great choice. Um, that covers us for premiums. It's wonderful. We finally got there. Yes. Um, on to the mid-prices. Uh, so start with uh, a breakout candidate, which I think could has real potential. James Harms, 453k mid. Um, so his previous averages, 54, 69, 73, 82. His last 11 games, including the finals, he averaged 93.9, including... A score of 49 and a score of 44. It's insane. That's crazy good. Yeah. Uh, not. Ex- I don't know if you'd take it for a standard relevancy. I, I don't really like midfielder um, breakout candidates this year. There's there's too many injured premiums uh, that can come back at, at cheaper price. But for draft, keep an eye on him. He's, he could blow up an average of 90 plus this year. So James Harms... One to put in the tick box as a breakup. Are you just? Are you literally signing it off on your sheet that you're taking to draft night right now? No. You did, didn't you? This you isn't just, the sheet I'm taking just, to draft night. Oh, okay, cool. Because is he not on there? Uh, no, is actually. Is he not on there like Harry? Himmler? I actually looked at Harms and I was like, oh, I'm not going to look at his stats too much. So Fair enough. that's me and in a nutshell. Fair enough. Uh, another one is uh, Jaden Hunt. So 242K defender. Uh, had an injury cruel season, only averaged 70. Um, uh, wait, after a great second uh, second year when he averaged 70 and played every game, he only managed six games last year and plummeted to an average of 49. So someone who could potentially be a cash cow this year because I think that he is in their best 22. Um, and there's a lot of calls for him to be in there because he's, you know, he's obviously got pace. He can, you know, he's got a good kick on him. Whether or not he can increase his average, you know, post 70, maybe to 80 plus is a different story, but at 242k, he's more of a cash cow than anything and a stepping stone. So you might get some decent scored out, scores out of him, get him to 350, close to 400, bail him out and bring someone else in. I can't believe you got Jordan Lewis as a mid-price. Yeah, 455k, Jordan Lewis. This should be in your not relevant. No, it's probably not relevant. Not one I see increasing his numbers. Um, good, good for a draft, but he... he, he takes. He's the main kick-out taker. That's why I Yeah, but him. Stephen May is also the main kick-out taker for the Suns. So how's that going to work? But that's what I that's actually wrote that down. Wrote that down. So he took the most kickouts last year for the team with sixty nine. Yeah, second Bernie Vince. Bernie yeah. Vince is gone, um, but May comes in. So who's taking kickouts? So we have to watch the JLT again. This is more for um, draft relevant information. It's not really standard relevant. You can't pick Jordan Lewis in standard, but in draft, if you're looking to pick him up at eighty three, I'd wait until you see who takes the kickouts as to whether or not I'd pick him. 
just uh, just for, so you know. Um, again, probably an avoid on Christian Petraka. Increased his average by three points per game to 81 for the year. Oh, 81 was that? What did Kurnow get? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and you know why? Because he averaged 89.6 his final eight rounds. I know. Andy I had literally a, have that right. Andy had, Andy had a 53 and a 54 in there as well. Um, and still averaged 89 for the last. Twice as likely to have a sub-70 score than ton up. <laughs> That's for Tracker in a nutshell. He's literally twice as likely to have a sub seventy supercoach score than he is to get a hundred plus. Yeah, right. So don't. It's never. Go, is is he a player that breaks out? I mean, I know that he had an eighty nine back in when he played midfield, but it could he, be. Well, Tyson's out. He might sneak in there a bit more now. Maybe. I'm not risk. There's no way I'm risking it. I mean, he's got okay, and he has that forward flexibility. I'll go there in uh, in draft. In draft, yeah, yeah, yeah in draft you can pick because he up. could pick up. He could go to 88, and he could go I to think, 90. Uh, yeah, it. maybe. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, again, I just I like to laugh at him failing. That's my thing. Um, Christian Salem, 445k defender, draft relevant. He averaged 82 points per game. Nothing really to indicate he's going to be a top-tier defender. Only took 20% of the total kickouts. And inflated which, by that big game he had, too. Yeah, he had a massive game. Um, yeah. So 20, he only took 20% of total kickouts, which is really low for someone with his kicking skills because he's a really elite kick. But also, 66% of the time, he actually plays on. So you're only going to get a 33% uptick anyway. Yes. So I would say avoid um, Christian Salem. I don't think he's going to be a breakout at all. And fairly expensive at 445k. So many better options. Jack Viney, never had a decent run at it. Played seven games last year. No. I won't be picking him at all in any form. But And he also had more end-of-season surgery on his ankle. Yeah. So, yes, let's see avoid, how he goes for that. Avoid, avoid. Hibbard. Oh, Petrarca had end-of-season surgery on his knee as well. Just uh, minor. Yeah, but he's back in training. Yeah, so yeah. he should be right. Um, uh, Michael Hibbard did not yes. turn up once in 2018. Um, didn't look like he had a role change. Just I don't know. Oh, he did get heights. one ton, Chris, in the oh, semi-final. Oh, okay. Cool. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he waited until the final series to get a ton. Uh, his worst ever Supercoach return. Ever. Yeah. Worst ever Supercoach return. He might be a draft value, but I think he'll get picked up by someone who's... Oh, yeah. Just because of the name. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go fourth round. Yep. Just because of the name. Um, so Jake Lever draft specials I've got a couple of draft specials here guys um, Jake Lever true average of 74 because he was injured on 15 um, he could definitely find a place onto people's bench and he's you know he's averaged more um, at Adelaide I think that he's the type that rolls off and takes intercept possession so you could find a Jake Lever in a light, late draft um, Jake Melksham uh, I think he's one to benefit from um, Hogan leaving um, so Tom McDonald actually specifically said that he's not currently training with the main group because he's coming back from injury postseason. However, he's one that he wants in his side and wants to see how that dynamic pans out because he loves when he gets the ball kicked to him by him. Um, he's got a little bit of inflated average of 73.8 because he had a ridiculous score of 160 in round nine. So he's probably, you know, if you get a late bench spot for him, I don't think it's too bad, but um, definitely one to watch. I might pick him up on a bench. Um, and then Stephen May. So can he improve in a winning team? Three previous years, 86, 94, 81. So he did have a, you know, a mid ninety season playing um, for the Gold Coast two years ago. Um, was also the main kickout taker, so that could improve. Oh, and his um, true average, you know, before last season was actually more like eighty eight. Yeah, which oh, we went into. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's a, he's pretty much gone close to ninety a couple of times. So definitely draft relevant. I don't think yep. standard relevant unless he gets kickouts. He so could he, he could improve. So then that's time. another maybe five well, points per game. Kick, if so. you take that eighty-eight, maybe it's ninety-three points per game. Yeah. But I mean, look, the top six defenders this year are going to be averaging hundred plus. So a ninety-three is not a top six no, this year. Draft relevant, yes. Yeah, draft relevant, yes. 
Uh, one to watch, uh, Kate Colo, average 89 in his second year, has all the attributes to do it, but just has not reached the heights. Um, I think Braden Pruce at 242k in the ruck, I don't know about that in standard, but because just because there's other options, 8K, 8K more. Yeah. But again, if you want to, let's say you've got Mumford um, and you need someone to cover for the first two rounds, maybe a Pruce gets in there. Who knows? Um, so I one to watch definitely and one to watch his role. One to avoid is Nathan Jones. I disagree. Uh, I disagree. Okay, tell me why you disagree. Well, it's a poor year by his standards. He averaged averaged 84.6 down from 100.9. Yeah. I do see him as an avoid in standard, but I think he actually provides some value in draft. Okay. You know, as in you had draft value and now you're saying avoid. I think based on his upside, I don't think he'll get much worse than a low 80 average. His role has changed slightly last um, this year, and he's playing less inside than he was. But I still think you know he's maybe had to adapt to that a little bit. I'm just saying is yeah. I don't think he has much downside. Well, he's I think he has a little bit more upside. He could get you a 90 average and provide you at seven point upside. Here's what I think, and you think this he's is old. my crystal That's ball. Why. You're just an old. 31 years old, and he just gave up the captaincy. Ageist. I I honestly think that they said to him, "There's no guarantee you're playing every game this year," and he's played every game like uh, like every game possible for the last eight years or nine years or something he has. I think he's... Uh, and missed very few games um, in total. I think that they sat him down and said, look, all you can't guarantee well, your game... Now he just focuses on playing footy. Which is fine. 90 plus average. 31 draft with an 84 average this year. Draft special. You take him in draft. I'm not 90 touching 90 plus him. average. Not touching I'll him. go there. And... Uh, you need all the depth we can get. Do you have anyone else that you want to highlight? Or was uh, that random? No, that's it. Just, uh, again, highlighting the fact that Hibbert had his worst super coach ever return. So, Fair enough. <laughs> yes, yeah, so bad. Anyway, that's it from us. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, we'll be seeing you again shortly. Thanks, guys. Have Bye, a good day. The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry. 